0: ostinato is one of those concepts that is listed on everybody's elementary music curriculum map, but it really and truly isn't just a one-and-done concept that we can check off and go about our next thing on our list to do. And granted, none of the things in our elementary music classroom are really that way. None of them are really a one-and-done, but ostinato in particular is one of those things that we can keep bringing back again and again to allow for student choice, creativity, and independent musicianship. So to Today, we're going to talk about four different specific ways to use an ostinato. I'm Ann Molesky. I'm a music teacher and curriculum designer, and you're listening to the Anacrusic Podcast. So first things first, Happy New Year to all of you. I hope that 2023 is already off to a great start. I know for me, it was the tail end of our winter break. Um, Kids are heading back to school. Things are starting to get up and moving. And of course, that means I am here to share some things with you. And if today's podcast episode is something in particular that is really interesting to you, if you want to learn more about ostinato or using ostinati in your elementary general music classroom, definitely go check out the latest episode of Teaching music tomorrow, Victoria Bowler and my new project, where we are sharing different ideas for literally things that you could teach in your music classroom today. So, um, in this particular episode, we actually share eerily similar ideas for how to, how to use Astonati with active music making in your classroom today, tomorrow, or just as soon as you listen to that episode. And today, I'm actually kind of working to do something similar where these feel like a drag and drop ideas for using ostinato in your music classroom right away. Because I really want to home in on how accessible using ostinati, how important it is to use ostinati throughout all of your music teaching and all of the different concepts that you might explore inside of your lessons. So first things first, what is an ostinato? And an ostinato is a repeated pattern in music, and for most purposes, at least in my own personal experience, it has to do with repeating four to eight beats. If you've done some Orff Schulwerk training, you know that a Bordoon or a drone has some more specific characteristics that surround what makes a bourdon in terms of being an ostinato, but that is definitely a type of an ostinato. But we're really looking for just a repeated pattern in music, whether it's something that's rhythmic, something that's melodic, something that is that drone or burdoon. It can serve as a counter melody. It can imply chord roots. It can keep the steady beat. It can serve as a hook, if you will, for a particular song. And in the elementary general music classroom, there's four ways that I am consistently using ostinati in my curricular sequence. And these are four different ideas, but all of the different ways that I use ostinati in my classroom really do fall into two not mutually exclusive categories. So these two categories definitely coexist for me and they are part work, which is inherently what an ostinato is, right? So part work, and then also as a scaffold for creative choice for students. So both of those things exist together usually with part work kind of taking taking the lead on, on what we're working with, but definitely using it as an opportunity for students to make some decisions, to make some changes, and to put in their own independent musicianship and take ownership of whatever concept we might be working with. And of course, an ostinato is a, is a concept in and of itself. It's a musical thing that we want to explore. We want to make sure that our students can exhibit their understanding through these different modes of active music making, but it's also a way a different pathway to explore different concepts that are in our curricular sequence in addition to ostinato. So if it's steady B, if it's rhythm versus B, if it's melodic contour, whether it's a rhythmic, melodic, formal, whatever it might be, if we're inside of our curricular sequence, ostinato is not just on its own going to be our concept, right? It's going to help enhance the learning, enhance the music making hand in hand with other concepts. So before we get into these four different ways to use an ostinato in your music classroom, I want to point out that oftentimes um, we cling to this idea of speech and rhythm when we first talk about ostinato. And of course, that feels like a very natural progression given the way that most curricular sequences work. We often begin with beat. We often move to beat versus rhythm. We talk about speech in relationship to pulse. And so all of those ideas are giving the foundational knowledge that our students need in order to do some sort of part work, right? So the first part work, of course, would be inherently rhythmic, which would be our speech. And whether we're talking about rhythmic skills or melodic skills, we know that we want to have that first experience be embodied with speech or singing, with our own voice, with our own instrument. So you'll see that these examples tend to be a little bit speech heavy, but that doesn't mean that they don't have room for growth throughout whatever shape they might take inside of your classroom. So just just because we're starting with speech doesn't mean we won't move to body percussion, doesn't mean we won't move to unpitched rhythm instruments. Just because we're beginning with singing doesn't mean we won't move to creative movement or we won't move to barred instruments or we won't move to these other ideas. So just keep that kind of tucked away in the back of your mind that these are sort of the beginnings, sort of the seeds for the types of activities that can happen in your classroom, but. Where you take them and what path you decide to go to next is all up to you and the types of experiences that you've been creating for your children in your classroom already. So the first example I have, the first way that I use ostinati in my classroom is as an extractable pattern from an existing song for a particular concept. So what does that even mean? So an extractable pattern, an existing pattern, an existing text, let's take that one step further, from a song that we already know. So let's take the rhyme Oliver Twist, and you might know this as a somi law song, but for right now, let's just use it as a rhyme. So if you aren't familiar with it, it goes like this. Oliver Twist, you can't do this, so what's the use of trying? Touch your knees, touch your toes, clap your hands and around you go. I've also heard people change it to duple to kind of emphasize the accents. So that could sound like, Oliver Twist, you can't do this, so what's the use of trying? Touch your knees, touch your toes, clap your hands and around you go. I've heard it done that way. For our purposes today, we're going to go into that compound duple instead of duple. And we're gonna focus kind of on this study B idea. So touch your knees, touch your toes, touch your knees, touch your toes. That could be our first ostinato. So we have um, the class or the teacher beginning by just touch your knees, touch your toes, and acting out those motions, while the other half, whoever might be that other part in this part work activity, would say Oliver twist, da da da, da etc. So a great way to to emphasize this ostinato as steady B, so but because it's in that compound duple, it feels very anacrusic to the haha, to the next um, macro beat um, and touch your knees, touch your toes, right? So you can have kind of that physical feel of like those big beats, um, touch your knees. So ba, 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 ba knees, knees, toes, toes, that type of thing as you're going through. And then as a scaffold for creative choice, using this rhyme as Yana's kindergarten, you can say, all right, what's some different body parts that we might use? Touch your nose, touch your head, touch your nose, touch your head, nose, nose, head, head with the motions, right? So we've taken the text from the song, we've extracted it to emphasize the steady beat, we're doing beat keeping motions in two different um, levels on our bodies, whatever the student's choice, and we've allowed for that student choice as well. So we've kind of hit all of those different markers. What might this look like if we weren't going to do it as a rhyme? So that's kind of a rhythmic example with steady beat. But what if we wanted to extract a pattern from an existing song for a concept that happens to be melodic? Um, If you are not familiar with the poem or song, I See the Moon, there's a lot of different arrangements of it. There's also a lot of beautiful illustrated books, um, picture books with this text. It does have the word God in it. So if that's something that you are not able to use with your population, um, that's a choice that you need to make for you in your school community. Um, but I have set the text in this melody. I see the moon and the moon sees me. God bless the moon and God bless me. So this is a really um, nice law tonal center um, with a simple rhythmic drone. We can really focus in our rhythmic ostinati or melodic ostinati, if you will. We can really focus in on that law tonal center with god bless me god bless me and then singing the melody over it that also really transfers well to um bard instruments of course and this is also a lovely piece to add movement to, to grab inspiration from um, text that is found in those different illustrated books. All that stuff can be really, really beautiful. So those were two examples of extracting a pattern from an existing song, an existing text, an existing melody for exploring a specific concept. Oliver Twist being about steady beat inside of duple or compound duple, which it's more naturally found. And then I see the moon um, emphasizing and extracting that low law tonal center. So if the first way is all about taking an extractable pattern from an existing song or melody for a concept, another very similar way is to highlight a new concept using speech or rhythm as creative choice. So what do I mean by that? This can either be something that's teacher created or student created, often the former before the latter. So teachers giving examples, like you giving your students an example, before you ask students to come up with something on their own. So let's take the rhyme, Little Jack Horner, which I am going to probably (laughs) make your brain hurt a little bit, just because I'm going to actually say it in Duple. So the way that I'm going to say it is like so. Little Jack Horner sat in the corner eating a pumpkin pie. He put in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, what a good boy am I. So let's focus in on sort of that middle e part that says, Little Jack Horner sat in the corner eating a pumpkin pie. So eating a pumpkin pie. Let's change that to let's eat some pumpkin pie. Let's eat some pumpkin pie. right? Ta-ti-ti-ti-ta so far right? So that could be our first ostinato. Let's eat some pumpkin pie. And we can take turns splitting into groups to experience what that feels like as part work. Well, then maybe I might say, you know, I really don't like pumpkin pie. So let's eat some blueberry pie. Let's Eat some blueberry pie. And then we would try that out. And then I would ask students to give their different types of pie that they would like to try. And it doesn't, in particular, have to be with this specific rhyme, right? There's lots of different pie references and, and children's songs and rhymes throughout. So you can go ahead and copy and paste this wherever you would want to, or with a completely different food item or rhyme in general. But anyway, the idea is the way that I would move this into highlighting a new concept or something um, new rhythmically that I I would want to do with my students is by carefully choosing a, a bank of pies, if you will. So we have pumpkin, we have blueberry, we could do coconut, and we could do alligator even, we could do peach. So we would have all of these different ways of dividing the beats. So blueberry being lawn short short, coconut being short short lawn, alligator being short 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 short, pumpkin being two equal, and then peach being just one lawn sound. And those are different ways to move move into t t-ticka and ticka-T, and ticka-ticka, so different eighth and sixteenth note permutations. So I can create that opportunity for expression, for exploration, for extension, wherever I might be in my learning sequence framework for those different eighth and sixteenth note permutations, and not only allow students the opportunity to choose text that will eventually become those rhythms, but then later on, and however I choose to expand this with body percussion, or rhythmic instruments, or whatever it might be, they can then take that that opportunity to translate and create rhythms once they have that literacy knowledge. So creating an ostinato that kind of comes from or is inspired by this rhyme is highlighting a new concept with speech and then also allowing that opportunity for student choice that will ultimately lead to a new concept because of what I'm choosing to include as the teacher. So the first example of using an ostinato in your classroom is that just pure extractable pattern to highlight a concept. The second way to use an ostinato is to take inspiration from a song or rhyme and allow students some creative choice to lead to a concept later on. And then the third way is taking that student choice one step further and using an ostinato as sort of a, an improvisational scaffold. And what do I mean by that? So let's think back into kindergarten or first grade, probably at least first grade, maybe second grade for this activity, but using the song Apple Tree, which I'm sure many of us know and love. Um, if you're not familiar, it goes like this. Apple tree, apple tree, will your apples fall on me? I won't cry and I won't shout if your apples knock me out. And let's just kind of go through the sequence that we've talked about so far, because if you haven't noticed, these four examples are definitely sequential ways to use ostinato in your classroom. So the first would be to take just apple tree, apple tree as your ostinato and practice that, have students become familiar with that. And then we could definitely, um, you know, use it to highlight a new concept with speech, Um, just the apple tree turning into ti-ti-ta, ti-ti-ta. And then to get into having an improvisational scaffold, it works really well to do some echo imitation. So simply saying, my turn first, apple tree, apple tree, and they repeat that apple, apple, apple tree, and then after doing a couple of echoes that way, say, okay, now do something different. Now note that when you ask your students to do something different after going to apple tree, apple tree, often they'll do the opposite, especially since we only have two choices that we're working with, right? So it's fun to make clear that they can do any combination that they would like to. It's helpful to have beat blanks or boxes or whatever you might use to delineate beat visually in your classroom um, to show them that there can be different ways to do it. After doing some echo imitation where we do the same, we do something different, it's kind of time to just keep going with that different idea, right? So showing those four different beat blanks on the board and saying we can do any combination of apple and tree that you would like, but let's make sure that we do it twice because it just feels a little bit better to do eight beats instead of four. And so having students do a class train wreck where everybody's doing apple and tree and it sounds like gobbledygook is a way to get them comfortable, help them make decisions and say, you know, if you like what you did, do it again. If you didn't like what you did, change it and then ask some students to share out. So once we have this four beat pattern that's repeated, we have eight beats of a thing that is focused in on speech or it can be transferred into TTs and tas and it can serve as a scaffold toward some rhythmic improvisation with body percussion, um, some improvisation with the rhythm instruments, maybe even some bard instrument improvisation depending on what you're comfortable with your students. But using the speech is kind of that thing that they can hold on to is really really effective especially for our younger students who are new to improvisation who are new to being able to make creative choices in the classroom but it all came right from the song it all came from speech it all came from this opportunity to play a little bit with ostinato because we were repeating things and it's a short chunk of only four beats So we have our extractable pattern that exists just the way it exists from our song as an ostinato. We have something that we might be inspired from a song where we highlight a new concept with speech. So, you know, like our our pie example. And then we have this idea of using an ostinato as an improvisation scaffold. Right. So we can start out using it as an ostinato and then we can use it as this basis for a B section for some different modes of active music making, which is sort of putting the cart before the horse because the fourth way that I use an ostinato in my classroom is to make sure that I'm really varying modes of music making. So any of these three that I've discussed so far, they were all super speech heavy. Which again is not surprising because so much of what we do in our classroom is focused in on speech. Even when we're talking about singing something melodically, even when we're talking about doing things with movement, we're always going back to these speech based rhythms, these speech based things, right? So all of these examples that I shared today, all three of these big examples started with speech, even the I see the moon one where we were exploring lawns. So we were still saying God sees me or he sees me or whatever it is that you might sing. And that was definitely not in the key that I sang in earlier, but you get the idea. But I hope that you can see that if we're starting with something with speech, it's really easy to move that to body percussion. And then it's really easy to also move that to unpitched percussion or to move speech to unpitched percussion and then body percussion or to give your students the choice, right? Because we have that basis for whatever the music making is going to look like because we have that embodied experience with speech before we move to body percussion and unpitched percussion. The same thing goes with singing. If we're beginning with... Um, La sola, la. we can move that to movement, to creative movement while we sing. We can move that to bard instruments while we sing with um la sola. La. Make that just a beautiful drone to play throughout our melody, right? Um, so I hope that you can see how all of these different ideas not just with ostinato can really turn into a huge expansive thing that serves as a vehicle for improvisation, but all of these different speech things, all of these different ideas of ostinati in and of themselves can lend themselves to different ways of music making in your classroom as well. So, no matter what pathway you're taking, we want to start with this known vocabulary. So we're starting with beat. We're starting with, you know, the songs that they know, either by way of text or musical concept is the best way to start. So that when we have these tiny opportunities for choice, it doesn't feel so big to your students. Asking them what kind of pie they would like to eat. (laughs) It doesn't feel like a super duper big thing. Asking them where to touch on their bodies for touch your knees, touch your toes, or what else should we touch. Doesn't feel like a crazy easy departure from what they've already done with Oliver Twist. And figuring out different permutations of apple and tree doesn't feel like a totally different thing after we've sang and played the game apple tree, right? So we're moving just into these tiny next level steps for your students that's carefully facilitated for you as the teacher, by you as the teacher, so that things don't feel big and hairy and scary. But instead they feel really empowering and really exciting and a way for students to showcase their independent musicianship. So as you're thinking about your lessons for the week, for the month, whatever it might be, I want you to think about one of the rhymes or songs or games or activities in your classroom and consider some text from that that would work well as a speech or a rhythmic ostinato. And I want you to forget like your undergraduate music theory classes because it's okay if we end up with parallel rhythm somewhere because that's going to happen. So we can just toss that out for the time being. And I want you to think about this even if you are not working on ostinato in your classroom because we want to move past ostinato as like this thing to check off but instead as this vehicle for different ways of exploration inside of your classroom. So if you're already doing a lot of ostinati in your classroom if you've already kind of pulled things extracted things the way that I've talked about today I want you to also think about how you could up level right? So if you're doing a lot of speech, if you're doing a lot of clapping, if you're doing a lot of rhythm sticks, what could you do different? Could you ask your students to choose some body percussion levels? Could you ask your students to um, make a choice instead of having to always be teacher teacher given or teacher created? Could we find little ways for students to insert their own ownership inside of what you are doing? So I hope today's episode was helpful as you're thinking about ostinati, as you're thinking about different ways to expand activities in your classroom. This is a really great example of how like a song is never done, an activity is never done because there's always more that we can do. There's always another step. There's always another layer. And ostinato is one of the main vehicles that we can use to keep the music making going. (laughs)